Hi, this is Steve Martin with a bonus piece for you from Earshot and a rare chance to hear at length from a global creative leader in radio imaging. Eric Huber is music director at Real World and he joined me from his studios in Seattle to discuss his company's approach to radio imaging and specifically the project for Radio One Breakfast with Greg James. But I wanted to find out the basics first. What does a music director do? I'm sort of globally responsible for the oversight of anything musically related uh, that, that comes through the shop, uh, specifically with regard to the the custom music packages and custom jingle packages that we uh, produce here at Real World. Uh, so uh, as far as the day-to-day, that usually translates to sort of the musical direction for the various Real World One services, for all of our custom jingle packages. Uh, for some of the uh, production music and commercial music that gets spun out on our various other websites. But the the custom jingles and the custom music packages are kind of my primary focus uh, as far as the, the creative direction and the composition on those. So that's that's kind of the, the day-to-day, you know, the, the nuts and bolts of what I really do here. And you've been doing that for many years now, haven't you? <laughs> Uh, it is astonishing uh, to me, but yeah, it's been uh, north of two decades now. Uh, ever since we, uh, ever since we got off the ground here in 1994, so yeah, it's been been a, a while. How have the requests from your radio station clients changed over that time for what they want you to produce? Boy, that's a fantastic question. You know, I, I think our our mandate from day one was to, to to produce the best stuff that we were capable of producing, especially up front when we were getting started in the 90s and th- there was a, a, a great degree of creative ferment happening. Uh, with respect to what music sounded like, you know, grunge rock was breaking through, hip hop was breaking through. Uh, there was a, a a great deal of of sort of reimagining what you know commercial top forty radio was sounding like, just in terms of the artists and the, and the songs that were coming up. And you know, when we got started, it it didn't really seem that radio ID jingles had sort of kept up with this this dynamic change that was really sweeping the the musical uh, landscape um, and and that that was really the catalyst for for what drove us to start the company you know it was like gosh what what would it sound like if we made an, an urban uh, leaning hip hop oriented radio jingle package you know no one had, no one had really thought about that before or certainly tried that before and that was what led to what what became ultimately the, the WPGC uh, music package the the first thing that we rolled out way back in 1990 gosh four or five uh, somewhere in there um, but it, I mean to your question as far as what has changed I mean I think I think We've always tried to keep pace with the music and keep pace with uh, with where the various uh, leaning hip hop oriented radio jingle package. You know, no one had, no one had really thought about that before, or certainly tried that before, and that was what led to what what became ultimately the, the WPGC uh, music package. The the first thing that we rolled out way back in nineteen ninety. 
gosh, four or five, uh, somewhere in there. Um, but I mean, to your question, as far as what has changed, I mean, I think, I think we've always tried to keep pace with the music and keep pace with, uh, with where the various formats that we serve, you know, are, are going. And, you know, especially here in the last few years with top 40 music in particular, uh, kind of getting away from this omnipresent 128 BPM, um, you know, EDM sort of sound and, and really taking on a, a lot more uh, tempo and style diversity, a lot more down-tempo stuff, a lot of trap and hip-hop and and different kinds of atmospheric and ethereal kinds of things that are that are bubbling up. I mean, that's that's a really fun, creative challenge from my standpoint, for sure, in that... You know, we still want to have a radio station that sounds exciting and sounds up-tempo and sounds like a, a, a place where a listener wants to tune in and spend a lot of time. And yet here we've got, you know, artists like uh, Post Malone or Lovely the Band or, um, you know, some of these kind of wackier uh, sort of artists, if you will, coming along uh, that are huge over here. And yet we've got a we've got to brand the station in a way that's still young, hip, fun and sexy when you've got all these kind of down tempo records that are that are a part of the format. Um, so I, I hope I'm answering your question, by the way, I'm, I'm, I, I, I could really spend a lot of time, I think, talking about you know, what the, the nuts and bolts sort of from a musical direction standpoint of, of what we do. But, uh, but man, it's, it's an incredible challenge and one that never seems to, to get old, especially with kind of the degree of, of, uh, diversity and, and sort of stylistic, uh, churn, uh, that we're, that we're seeing, you know, right now today in, in the formats that we serve. So it's kind of a fun, a fun place to be and a fun, a fun time to do what we do. It's interesting, Eric, that you, you talk about those reference points about the music that's popular now and the, the diversity of styles that the radio stations you serve are broadcasting. But to what extent is your work driven by what's in the musical zeitgeist against you know, the ideas that come from, from your clients? There's definitely a, a balance there. Um, and, and maybe... You know, it, it, it's it's a different sort of dance with with every single client. Uh, we have, you know, some programmers that come to us with a very clearly defined concept of what they want the brand to sound like. Uh, we also have some client relationships where it's much more uh, experimental and sort of uh, uh, collaborative. Um, so, you know, regardless. We, we need to, the brand, we need the sound of the brand to keep pace with what the format is doing. You know, there, there may be more or less degrees of experimentation sort of depending on how, um, how evolved a particular client's vision is in advance. Uh, and that, so I guess that sort of informs, you know, how far off the rails we can go uh, <laughs> when we're, you know, when we're sort of spitballing ideas and, and kind of coming up with, with the musical direction. But it's, it's definitely a different process every single time. And I guess there must be certain uh, facets of your work that never change. A great melody, a great musical logo, you know, the energy and excitement that wraps around the on-air talent. Yes and no. Um, I think a few years ago I would have said, you know, that, that maybe... 
there was sort of less tempo diversity in our output, let's say, or there was more of a kind of a, you know, a quote unquote real world jingle sound. I guess I'm going back five, 10 years here when, you know, the majority of our, our jingles were kind of sung by a vocal group as opposed to, you know, a, a solo vocal talent. Um, and I'm also talking about you know, going back to our earlier uh, discussion on sort of how, you know, how Top 40 music in particular has really changed as far as getting away from the tyranny of the 128 BPM, you know, four on the floor sort of kick drum. Uh, so between those two facets, I think that the evolution of our of our sound, you know, yeah, we always want to come up with a melodic hook that's memorable, something that is going to imprint the 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 brand, the name of the station, uh, and, and connect with the listeners in an emotional and memorable way. You know, that that's never going to change. How to emotionalize that listener connection with the brand, yep, that's never going to change. What that looks like, what that sounds like, what that feels like at the end of the day, though, uh, gosh, it, you know, at least from, from my vantage point, it's quite different today uh, than it was, you know, five, ten years ago, where... You know, it, it feels like there's a hunger for for something that maybe gets away from, you know, this hypey on-air presentation. And we're, we're playing around with some things that are more minimal in some cases. You know, the old truism, less is more. Well, sometimes less truly is more, especially when we're living in a, in a medium that can be, I'm not saying this is always the case, but it can be so saturated with noise and with hype and with, you know, lots of activity and uh, kind of frenetic energy and trying to jam as much content in as possible. Well, gosh, you know, sometimes the way to cut through all that is to take a step back and create some space and, you know, to maybe go with just a solo vocal and a, you know, a drum as opposed to like jamming the entire kitchen sink into the, into the mix. You know, it, it could mean we're, we're experimenting more with a down tempo presentation with the brand, um, just to sort of, uh, you know, to, to get away from what we've done before and, and maybe connect with the listener in a, in a different way. Um, I, I understand that. It's about attention management. It, it, it's attention management, but also, you know, hopefully creating value, you know, in the, the lives of the people that are listening to our content um, and, and doing that in a way that's not just you know, beating their neocortex into submission with loud content that's fast. You know, it's like, hey, how can we, how can we sort of philosophically change what we do um, to maybe create a more lasting connection that actually contributes something to the, you know, to the lives of the the end users, if you will. You mentioned um, the importance of a memorable melody, and earshot listener Robin has been in touch. He he asks this question, Eric. What goes into making a memorable sonic hook? Boy, that is a fantastic question and one that we could pontificate on for for weeks, if not years. Um, What's the secret sauce? <laughs> Boy, <laughs> the secret sauce. You know, if I knew what made a memorable melody and and could replicate that consistently, I would probably have retired uh, a, a couple decades ago. I I think it's an intuitive process, and it's one that, in in a way, 
is is impossible to predict with certainty an outcome for a particular listener. And I have a very deep sense up front of what will and what won't work as far as a, a sung melody, let's say, or as far as a sequence of notes that I feel has a shape to it that is going to be compelling and memorable. That being said, you know, because we work in a in a medium that's so constrained basically we're talking about a handful of notes that we've got to work with and with those you know we've got to convey the brand values we've got to convey the name of the station we've got to do it in a way that's going to be hopefully pleasing to the ear and memorable and maybe even easy for the the listener to sing back to us and oh by the way you know in, in some cases we we can't use an existing melody and we can't step on what the competitor across the street might be using so you know it's it's almost like you're trying to write a, a haiku, right? It's almost like you're trying to write this extremely formalized uh, musical structure with all these boundaries and constraints um, that, that need to be, you know, observed. Um, and in the process, hopefully come out on the back side of that with something that that has some facsimile of an emotional connection with the audience. You know, man, that's like being struck by lightning while holding a winning lottery ticket. Do you know what I'm saying? So, so the secret sauce is we're, we're grinding out those melodic options. We're trying different singers. We're trying different, different melodic and rhythmic shapes until we find, you know, at least one, hopefully several options that we feel have some emotional resonance to them. And then, you know, between ourselves and the client, depending on what the process is, we're going we're gonna to zero in on whatever that melody is, whatever that phrase is, and, and, and run with it and hope that... You know, at the end of the food chain here, when this comes out of the the station output at the end of the day, um, that it's going to make you know someone's life better. Um, that there's going to be an emotional response that that elevates you know someone's day to day experience of listening to the radio station. And just lift the just lift the lid, Eric, slightly on the way that you do that. I mean, is is that is that lightning striking in an individual shower one morning? Or are you all sitting around with 15 people, you know, like writing an episode of Veep? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'd say it's I'd say it's more the craft and I'd say it's more. Yeah, it's more kind of that, that metaphor of sort of the writer's workshop in the back room. Um, you know, when, when we first got going, uh, you, you know, when, when real world first kicked off in the 90s, you know, I was basically the exclusive composer on every single piece of audio that left the left the building. Now, I am blessed and fortunate to work with a number of extremely talented people. Um, so we've, we've sort of got this this pool, if you will, of, of compositional talent. And so, you know, we get a new brief, we get a new project in the door. Gosh, you know, there could be three, four, five, you know, half a dozen different uh, creative minds, creative geniuses, you know, getting some ideas together and, and coming up with with either a melodic hook or some musical texture or, you know, a, a, a musical snippet. It might be a piece of sound design, a, a noise, uh, an instrument hit, something that we feel is going to become a, a, uh, an earworm or a hook or something that can contribute to the, you know, the sound of, of that particular brand. Um, and then, you know, there is sort of a collaborative synthesis 
of these various ideas uh, and, and various you know creative minds that are informing our process. So we we normally would have some sort of internal um, you know casting or internal uh, creative roundtable uh, type of, of conversation, and you know the hope would be that the best ideas sort of rise to the top of that, and then that's kind of what we what we generally run with. That sounds like an echo of how a lot of hit records are composed these days. That there are composers right. who just focus on the hook. Yeah, that's 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 absolutely right. And if you think about it, you know, we are are sort of trying to achieve a similar end goal to, you know, the songwriter or the producer that's trying to put together that next hit record. Um, you know, in that our hook is going to be heard you know, hopefully hundreds or, or thousands of times in its in its lifetime on the air. So, you know, we want to achieve that same level of memorability and recallability and emotional resonance uh, with with our output. You know, that a that a, a hit record producer wants to accomplish. And the only difference is we've got to get that done in the course of a of a ten second or a fifteen second time window. You know, whereas those those record producers they have like three or four minutes to get the same job done. So, um, I, I, I sometimes like to say that jingle production is the purest distillation of pop music uh, in that aspect. We're, we're basically uh, compressing a, a four-minute hit record down into ten seconds, hopefully, uh, at least at least at least philosophically. Indeed, and I guess it's got to be perfect because it, it's heard so so often. Let, That's let's right. um, let's talk about BBC Radio One. Greg James, the new Radio One breakfast show. What did you think when you got the brief? Well, it was definitely um, as as is often the case with these types of things. It was definitely sort of a, a little bit of a of a blue sky, blank slate um, type of of situation, which. You know, in, in, it is simultaneously thrilling and, and terrifying um, when you're in my chair because it sort of means, gosh, the world is, is our oyster as far as, um, you know, what this musical vision could sound like, which, which is not to say that, that BBC did not have a vision going in. They certainly did. Um, but, you know, once you really teased out... Um, the nature of the brief and and kind of the the vision behind the show and the brand values of the station and the audience and so forth the actual expression of that the actual musical you know nuts and bolts of what that would sound like on the air boy there was a a, a great deal of latitude um, in terms of how that brief could be interpreted <laughs> and so it was the desire to create something that was on message and on brand for BBC and yet be different enough so that it was fresh and new and compelling. Um, So that's, you know, that's a challenge. And it's a theme, isn't it, Eric? That's right. That's right. What difference does that make for you creatively? So so this was actually uh, a a different sort of animal than, you know, your typical four-note you know, station logo or, or something of that nature. Um, and the desire to create a sound for the show that uh, that had some cohesion to it and had, 
you know, a, an instantly recognizable sort of theme sound to it, but also was something that would have to represent in a long play uh, sort of situation where, you know, you've got, you know, multiple minutes worth of, of a segment that need that, that audio backdrop, that needs sort of that, that picture frame around it, if you will. Um, and once we felt that we had the hook, the challenge became kind of spinning that out, as it were, um, into you know a, a three-minute piece of music. Let's say if, if you're talking about the kind of the main show opener theme, you know that's quite a long-form piece of music, and and this, the show producers kind of had a specific way that they wanted the build to be structured. You're coming out of the news, and you've got this whole uh, you know kind of epic build uh, that starts very quietly and and sort of chilled out, and then builds and builds and builds, and we kind of bring the logo melody in, you know, relatively early on in the in the composition but then we evolve the sound and we evolve the the arrangement and so forth so it really has kind of this big building feel that uh was was definitely you know out of the ordinary as far as how we would normally approach you know gosh getting that getting that 10 second stinger produced if if you will um so at least in that aspect you know getting to the hook getting to what we felt was sort of the, the memorable anchor point um, once we got that, you know, that, that process was, I guess, similar to, you know, the way that we would approach, you know, any jingle package. But, but the process of, of then extrapolating from that hook and turning it into this kind of, you know, epic sweep of musical atmosphere that could live in various uh, musical uh, contexts and, and, and use, use contexts on the air, that was, that was the challenge. And that was what really differentiated this project from, from anything that we've done in a while here, for sure. Um, Earshot uh, listener Emma says she thinks it sounds like Coldplay doing The Greatest Showman. you know, I, without without naming names, I would say uh, you know some of those influences certainly bubbled into um, you know the, the ideas that we're kicking around here uh, as we as this thing took shape. Um, the greatest showman has been on repeat at, in my home. I've got I've got a few kids that are seven years old and under, so that's a big. Uh, <laughs> It's 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 a hit with with that demographic. So so there was there was a sense that you know, gosh, what would it sound like if we tried something that was a little more down tempo and deliberate and uh, had some had some swagger to it, if you will. And yeah. gosh, you know, once we get down to that tempo, maybe we can experiment with some hip hoppy stuff or some trap style, um, you know, flourishes or, or some different kinds of sound design to give it some some heft to give it some. I, th- I think swagger actually is a is a great a great word for it. On a technical level, Eric, to create a piece of music which has got so much layered vocal and yet lets Greg and other voices on the show cut through above that, that requires some really smart mixing skills. Yeah, it's 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 a different approach. Coming back to this thread of less is more, you know, we. Across the board here, I would say we've sort of been backing off on, you know, the use of of extreme uh, compression and limiting and so forth at the end chain stage. We've kind of been consciously uh, letting our masters breathe more on the way out the door, um, and I, I, that's in keeping with I think what's been going on with the so-called loudness wars. There's been a lot of chit chat in audio engineer circles and audio mastering circles about. 
you know, kind of backing off from digital zero and having everything as loud as it can possibly be, you know, to the point where you look at the average sort of RMS value of a commercially mastered record today compared to a few years ago, you're actually going to see it going the other way. You're actually seeing, you know, more more daylight in the in the waveform, uh, you know, of a of a mastered piece of commercially produced audio compared to even a few years ago where you'd see. You know, if you're, you're bringing the record audio into your workstation, you're just, you're just seeing a vertical, you know, brick wall that's been limited to death. You know, so as, as far as the challenge with this specific piece of music, with so many kind of disparate elements coming in and out of the mix and this big build that really starts from, from nothing or, or a very minimal uh, place and then builds to this huge sort of uh, conclusion and, 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 you know, so many different elements to, to contend with in the mix. Yeah, that was definitely um, a challenge as far as keeping enough cohesion to the, the volume level and the overall intensity of the arrangement from start to finish where, you know, you could feel the build, you could feel the the intensity uh, increase from, from zero to 100 across the course of this build, but it was still consistent enough level-wise where, you know, they don't have to ride the faders in the control room uh, very much or, or hopefully at all. And the challenge mix-wise with respect to the the amount of automation moves that we were doing, um, you know, a lot of good old-fashioned kind of riding the faders on our end um, as opposed to, you know, just slamming the crap out of everything and letting the compressor do the work or letting the end-chain limiter do the work, um, especially with something that's as layered as, as this piece turned out to be. It was the complexity of the mix was definitely an outlier um, compared to, you know, a lot of the material we've worked on, on recently. Greg James has been on the record saying that the first time he heard the ideas, he said, it's brilliant, but tone it down. So what did you do that Greg thought was over the top? <laughs> uh, you know, I think the, the first pitches that we put together, the first piece of audio that we sent in, um, it was definitely more brash, more raw, uh, more kind of rock and roll, if you will, um, sort of piece. Um, you know, same tempo uh, and the hook, that whoa, that kind of big, you know, vocal chant, vocal shout, that was, you know, to some degree, that idea was in there from day one. Uh, but if you look at the instrumentation, if you look at the way that that was presented, um, man, it was a lot more kind of distorted guitars and heavy you know heavy drums like it, it sounded more like a live rock and roll rhythm section you know slamming out that idea whereas if you look at where we ended it's much more layered and much more uh, orchestrated if you will and and some of those rough edges sort of got rounded off along the way um, the sound of the chant the vocal sound of the chant it was much more uh, sort of male dominant in terms of the vocal talent when we first presented it and that evolved into kind of a mixed group, male and female. I think there was, you know, a, a good handful of, of different singers um, that, that we that we ended up using on the final cut there. But I mean, at the, at the end of the day, it ended up being a majority female group, I think, whereas the, the first draft 
was definitely more of a male. Um, so that changed. The musical presentation changed. Um, the build, the nature of the build, you know, once we kind of, uh, you know, started really having a dialogue about how this was going to show up on the air and realizing, you know, gosh, this thing needs to start out way more sort of minimal and atmospheric. Um, you know, the final cut, especially looking at the at the intro section, that whole kind of first, you know, 20, 30 seconds of build, man, that was that was quite different um, at the end of the process versus anything that was first presented. But, you know, that, that vocal hook, that whoa, that was there from day one. So that, I think that piece of it, you know, was, was probably what Greg and the team uh, at the BBC, you know, responded to right away. Unfortunately, fortunately, they had the, the vision um, and the forbearance to sort of lock in on that and give us an opportunity to, you know, to, to have a play with the musical context. But I, I think that idea, that hook was really what grabbed them up front. Um, and and that, that's always been there. And that is truly distinctive and truly recognizable to the extent that you know, if you listen to the show now, there are different mix-outs of the track that because of that consistency of the vocal hook m- enable them all to be instantly recognised and feel really tightly That's part right. of that family. It really does mix down in, in the way that you've described through layers into a whole range of different cuts that really very effectively support Greg's vocals. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a fun challenge, you know, taking that hook then and, and sort of, you know, spinning that out into all these uh, uh, different beds and, and pads and talk pieces and drones and things like that. Um, once we had the hook, fortunately, that, you know, that was memorable enough that it really worked well in sort of a variety of of, of contexts, um, you know, without without kind of losing the. Uh, the je ne sais quoi, you know, that, that really uh, helped lock it in um, as far as being the, the earworm or, or sort of the hook uh, for the, the sound of the show. Um, but, yeah, being able to kind of spin that out across, you know, different musical treatments has been, um, you know, a, another phase of the challenge. It's been a lot of fun, too, but uh, uh, as you've identified, there's a, a lot... Uh, a lot of musical variety that sort of come from that central idea, and, and I guess we're, you know, we'll be doing more of that too, from from what I understand. So, well, in- interesting question here from Earshot listener David. He he asks, how often will you refresh the imaging and the track? And mm. from me, how how can you see that that composition develop? Yeah, yeah, you know. All I can all I can say for sure is that I know it will be refreshed. Um, as of right now, uh, I, I can't say you know kind of what the schedule is going to be or what the the update frequency is going to be. But I know that there's going to be a lot of uh, refresh that does go into that. So unfortunately, I, I don't have more uh, more information right now. And when you hear it on air, what do you think? <laughs> Honestly, I'm I'm still in a mild state of of shock um, that uh, you know that we've kind of gone through this whole dance and and that this thing is on the air you know every day on the biggest station in the UK. I mean that that's that's an incredible feeling. Um, I'll say the first time I heard uh, heard the air check, um, I guess it was the day of the first the first show it got sent over. I mean, I literally got, got goosebumps hearing that in the car and, and kind of hearing for the first time, really, you know, the context for 
coming out of the news and setting up the show and, and Greg's sort of first words out to his audience and, and so on. I was like, boy, that's, that's quite something. And um, it, it sort of underscored, I guess, the fact that the, the BBC leadership had really, you know, it, it, at least in my view, had really sort of taken a chance with us creatively um, and, and sort of done something that was, you know, it, certainly different to what they were using uh, using on the air before. And man, I, I really felt like it connected and, and just sounded awesome out of the gate. So that was a great feeling. And Greg, Greg will wear this lightly, but he's technically brilliant, isn't he? He hits all the oh, right yeah. points. He had a great deal of, of insight and, and musical nuance. I mean, he's got a, a great deal of musical intuition and he's highly perceptive. Um, and furthermore, you know, really able to articulate what he was, what he was going for. So that certainly helped our process um, as far as getting some great feedback along the way, you know, while we were developing this thing. Have you and Greg met? Regrettably, no. Uh, I was this close to getting on a plane um, from Seattle to uh, to Manchester when they were rolling this thing out, but unfortunately, I, I couldn't pull it together in time. Hopefully, that will change at some point in the future, but but not as of yet. Look, if Earshot can make that happen, uh, and we're allowed to have a microphone there to witness the moment, uh, then <laughs> let me know. Man, I would love it. And yeah, if if, uh, if you want to have a mic in the room, hey, the, the more the merrier. Frankly, Eric, if you're going to come to the UK, it would be rude not to say hello. <laughs> I love it. Let's do it. <laughs> 